Two years ago, right, I preached a message on corporate repentance. And it took literally two years for people to really get a hold of it and God to get a hold of their hearts to where it came to fruition. And we had that five-hour-long service. And as I was sitting here thinking, you know, and this is kind of my introduction of like, there was a real prayer today by Josiah, you know, which, you know, he's kind of, he continually just expresses the heart of God. And it was this prayer of, Lord, open our eyes. Let us hear what the Lord is saying today. And I thought about this, and I'm like, you know, it took two years for us to really get a hold and express the word of the Lord to us on corporate repentance. And then two years later, one more message, and it was the tipping point, right? Well, I'm saying, what if we really took truth seriously? Like I'm saying, what if each one of us went home after a message, after a life group, and we like prayed and said, God, I want this in my life, in my heart. I need this. And what if the two years only took two days? And you know, like, I don't know if you notice, if you really paid attention to the messages, you'd, you'd be like, gosh, Sean preaches the same word over and 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 over. It's like... Submit to God. Resist the devil. Be obedient to him. Let the truth be embodied in your heart. Apply it to your life. Live and surrender to Jesus. I mean, that's like, that is it every week. All I do is change scriptures. Half of the time I'll say the same message three times and just shift it up a little. And every week people come and go, wow, that was incredible. Wow, God spoke to me. It was like you were in my prayer time. But I'm saying like, Compared to the few people that really probably really give effort, what if, you know, think about the Israelites. It took them 40 years, and God's design was 40 days because they didn't know what they didn't know. And they weren't listening to the prophets and the mouthpieces God sent. And I'm saying this, folks. I am not infallible, but I'll tell you this. Our leadership team hears from the Lord. And whether we know it or not, which is what I'm saying, is sometimes we're oblivious. God is speaking to us in this church. Like, really? What if we really acted like that and said, wow, he preached this. God must be serious about repentance. Oh, he preached this. It's a season of preparation. God must be serious about this season that we're in. Oh, God, make me ready. Every morning, afternoon, and night, we are praying this. We're, we're troubled in a healthy way by this. There's so many things. I could recount so many ways that we're not standing saying, I came from the mountain, the Lord thus says. It's just a call on our life. When you're called to be leadership, you express the heart and the voice of the Lord. You know, and I'm sure people back in Moses' day, we're going to look at a few instances, but I'm saying this, like, remember that time I asked you to pray for Gregory? Remember that? Everyone remember that? And you don't know who he is, whatever. Well, he committed suicide just two, a day or two ago. Now, I'm saying this to say, you know, there... This man's life was ridden with much horrible things, okay? Terrible things. But the point is we prayed. And we, we've been praying for him. But I'm telling you, folks, there is gravity 
of what God is leading us into as a church. And there are grave consequences if we do not respond properly. There is a season of time of preparation that we are in, and he's saying, will you cooperate with me? I, I felt like this heaviness in my heart that, you know, we've talked like a few weeks ago when I last preached, two weeks before that even, I think how rationalism and identification with the past can rob you of your rewards of intuition and obedience. You know, we talked about the whole repentance thing two years ago, and he's trying to break off rationalism, humanism, dependence upon ourselves, and get us to simply obey. I'm just going to kind of bounce here, I think. Because we're kind of going a different direction. I want to obey here. We had read 2 Corinthians 6, 12 and in verse, I mean, 2 Corinthians 6, 3, and it says, giving no offense for any, any, for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited, the gospel being central. But in everything, listen to this, commending ourselves as servants of God. Like, our core identity must be we are servants of God. But listen, you, you say amen, you, you like say, yeah, that's right, yeah, we are servants of the Lord. But what is a servant? Is a servant a receiver? Is a servant a giver? Then why do we come to church with a posture of how can I be ministered to this Sunday? And like even the prophetic words, you can tell that that's where people's hearts are because all the prophetic words, they, you know, like people that come up and say, God's spoken to me, and it's all about, come out of your brokenness. Would you come to the Lord and be healed? And, you know, it's like, it's always words that identify, and I believe it's God because God sees hearts, but it's like, when are people going to come up and, there's no one that even needs to come up. There's this, this roar from the body that starts breaking addiction off people's hearts and minds. That starts standing up. They're not here to get filled. They're already filled. They come to church going, I am declaring the loose. The captives set them free. And there's this rage out of people's hearts against the enemy and his wickedness. And we tear down strongholds as the church because we come ready, ready for action, not sitting back spectating like, praise him, hallelujah, woo! And I'm not making fun of any of that. Listen, you got to hear my heart here. It's just that if we come to church, folks, to receive, then we're not the church, we're the world. The world comes to receive something they don't have. We have it. And you've been given this treasure in earthen vessels that you are mandated to cultivate and build and tend so that you come as a raging fire of intercession, declaration. You are a powerhouse ready to heal, cast out devils, set people free. You don't have need. If you did, you'd be in life group getting prayed for, and you can meet it there. But this Sunday is for declaration, release, empowerment, casting down strongholds. And I'm not talking about those rare occasions, believer in Christ, disciple of Christ, where you're going through a hard time and you just need some support. I'm not saying that we are like that. I'm saying that for the norm, people come to church to receive 
I mean, even in the house church setting, what are we called to do? Come with a hymn, a psalm, something to share. The whole posture of coming together corporately is to begin to release and give and, and, and breakthrough happens. That this becomes a Sunday of breakthrough, a Sunday of demonstration, a Sunday of healing. And that literally there's so many people just giving. I usually sit in the back during most of the service and just intercede and pray. You know, and several people have come up front and shared like, hey, I got a word, I think. And I'm like, listen, I was just praying that same thing. Just because you, you hear from God doesn't mean you're supposed to share it. Maybe God wants to actually enlist you as a, a, an intercessor for this very time. And so I'm like half of the service. I'm in the back watching and praying. There's one couple that I was praying for today. And the whole service, they were just talking back and forth. And I'm just like, God, get them. Just cover over them. Just pour out in them. They ended up leaving like right after worship. And I sicked an usher on them. And I said like, listen, go after them and just introduce yourself. Reach out. Find out their story. But like, why do I have to do that? Why shouldn't a hundred people be sensing, oh, Lord, Lord, just bless them. Get them, Lord. God, I just pray right now. Cultivate their hearts. Grab them right now. Arrest them. Pull them in, God. Pull them in. Let them know you. Let them experience your goodness. Like, see, he's trying to mobilize an army of activated servants of the Lord. Not because we need anything. There's so many people that minister to others because they need something from them. That's not giving. Giving is like a parent with a teen that's ridiculed by them and not necessarily appreciated. I'm not speaking about my kids, of course. But, you know, many parents out there, unfortunately, <laughs> um, it's that season. How many of you are parents of teenagers? Even the best teenagers... Do, do parents, like, just receive all this praise and, act, and you leave, like, all during that time? You're just like, I, every day, I'm just a wonderful parent. It's so wonderful. They leave me little notes at the table and make me dinner and all that kind of stuff. I just, I'm living the dream. I'm a parent of teenagers. No, there's a reason why there's that reputation. Why? Because you're the parent. You give. That's your job description. You give. You just give. That's what a disciple is. We just give as though Christ were pleading through us. Boy, this, this might have sunk down a couple inches, but it needs to go like a couple feet, like... Right down in your spirit, man, where it connects with the Holy Spirit and you become transformed. It's really this, this idea. At the beginning of summer, I felt like the God, God spoke to me and said, this needs to be a summer transformation. And I've not preached on that at all because I felt like, man, that is so vague. And that's, but it's this idea that God is giving us a season, a window of preparation to be prepared 
And not just change and then you kind of simmer and stay where you are. Where you change and you're established where you'll never be the same again because you've been transformed from one way of existence to another way of existence where there is a complete change. People notice and they say, wow. And some of you are even thinking like, well, gosh, I'm, I don't have that much change. It's not like I'm a drug addict right now. It's not like I'm caught in adultery and now and fornication, premarital sex, and I'm not married and I'm out partying and now I'm going to change. I'm not like that. I just go to church and, yeah, that's the point. If you get on fire for God, like literally encounter him in a genuine way, people, I don't care how mature you are, people are going to be like, what the heck? Do you see what's going on with him? What is happening? What are you doing? Like, I don't care. Like, I want, I want to encounter God. There was someone who... Um, recent... Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to jump ahead. I got to stick, stick to this some framework somehow. But God's bringing us into this place. It's so, so powerful. You know, a lot of you, um, you're unable to commend yourself as servants. And you know what? Commend, the word commend isn't about think about yourself as. Commend, commendation is something where you notice evidence that you are a servant of the Lord. You, you notice evidence about your life that you are a servant of the Lord. And you commend yourself. You say, Sean... I see these things, this, 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 this. You are a servant of the Lord, meaning you have all the attributes that give evidence to the fact that you actively are engaged in service to the Lord. You're not, you don't do some service for the Lord. You are a servant. Your identity, your life is framed by this idea. A lot different than like, oh, well, I give, I give to the church. I go to life group. Um, once in a while, I'll go to a work day. That's not, let's just figure out the hours there and compare it to the 24-7 that you're alive and breathing. And then let's figure out a ratio. And let's just use the old classic, like 90% is an A. What would you be? <laughs> you guys, don't answer. <laughs> this is all rhetorical, because I'm trying to get you to think, right? I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't know about you, but I'm not happy. I was never happy with anything. When I got an A minus, I was devastated. I was straight A all the time. Now, some of you aren't overachievers. I know. Okay, that's fine. But, like, let's not settle for C. Let's not definitely settle for D or F. But let's see. What is a C? It's 90, 80, 70. So that would be, let's see here. Hold on. Someone, let's get a calculator here. Because I'm, I want to do it really quickly here. If we go... Let's see, 24 by 7, that's 168 hours times point, let's see, what were we? 9, 8, 7, point 7. Okay, so in order for you to be a C Christian, 
you need to put forth 117 hours a week. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now that's, don't forget guys, sleep, your spirit does not slumber. Your spirit does not sleep. Now if you want to do waking hours, okay. Let's see. Let's say you get six hours of sleep a day on average. So that's 18 times 7 times 0.7. Okay, 88 hours a week. 88 hours a week of active awake time. Although I pray every, every night, Lord, let your word keep me. And when I wake, let it speak to me. So when I'm sleeping, I go to bed and pray that my spirit would be active, that I'd have dreams, that my spirit would be rejuvenated. So that is active time for me. I pray that God would stir me, do a work in me when I sleep. Now, if you don't pray that, then don't tell me you're expecting that. Now, if you pray that every night and say, God, tonight I desperately need you to tend to my body, tend to my spirit, work in me, then those who do things in faith is faith. Those who don't do things in faith, it's sin. Listen, all I'm trying to do is challenge you. What is your perspective? If you just go to bed because, oh, that's not a spiritual time. Oh, God. And in, truly, you're saying God can't work in my sleep. Because you're not actively, aggressively expectant that, Lord, do this in my sleep. I pray it. I ask it. I ask that every ounce of my life, every breath would be energized by the Spirit of God. That I would be changed from glory to glory, faith to faith. This is what I live for. So what I'm saying. Like, so, but waking hours, 88. Now let's see. Let's, we'll just try this again here. We'll just do, let's say some of you are spoiled and you get eight hours sleep. So that's 16 times 7 equals divided by point, no, times, times point seven. So a C Christian is 78 hours if you get eight hours sleep a day. Now you think I'm kidding. I'm using this as an illustration, but I'm living serious. It's like, this is the season of preparation. This is time to forget about, like, and if you lose everything for Christ, you gain everything. That's what I'm telling you. Well, if I'm a Christian and give 100 hours a week to the Lord, what will my family do? We'll probably fall in alignment with God and His plan. And maybe if you trusted Him with your children, you'd be blessed beyond belief and measure. Maybe if you didn't rely on your own strength to take care of your own life. Oh, please, please don't think I'm just on a high horse and I'm preaching the, the paint off the tent. Like, like, I'm sincerely, earnestly trying to get you to think about the way you live your life. I'm including myself in this. I'm hungry. I'm saying, God, show me ways, steps that I can just grow. I want to change. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to grow. I want to become more hungry, more burning. I want to be, you know, become more holy. 
Not in some religious way. I want the holiness of the Lord where I am the possession of God. Lived out. Manifest. Not just conceptually. Yes, we are possessions of the Lord. But like in a real way. Day by day, minute by minute, second by second. We're in the season. There was a woman, someone that came on the property, a friend of mine, you don't know her, and she's prophetic, like really in tune, minister of the Lord. And she called me the other day and said, listen, I came to the property, and, I, and believe me, you don't know her. She's, she's not from here. And this is, this is confirmed last week with Dan Lee. It's over and over God is speaking. And if you're not hearing or this is surprising to you, then you, you need to open your ears. You need to repent of being deaf and dumb and unable to hear. And go listen to some messages over and say, Father, with a fresh heart, I ask you to ignite me. Speak to me. Let me see things I didn't see before. And so she came again. Not, never, she doesn't know anything about her ministry. Nothing. I've had very little conversation. And she came and said, Sean, I was gripped when I hit the property. You have an impending harvest coming your way. I cannot tell you, there is like a flood of souls coming. And she said, I think it's in the fall. And tell your people, starting with the leaders first, that they have to dedicate and consecrate their hearts. They only have till the end of summer. And the biggest root, the main open door of the enemy in this congregation is pornography. And it's not just young, it's young, it's old. It's not just men, it's women. She said it three times. I'm telling you, there are people that need to repent and come clean from this. And then she went on again to talk about the incredible harvest that's coming. And you know, I've, I've been thinking about this because, you know, from a leader's standpoint, as a shepherd, you just begin to see things. It doesn't matter what people even say. You just know. Because you, you have this, this the spirit inside you speaking and telling you things. And why? Not to shame anybody, but to pray, to intercede. You carry the burden. And I'm not one of the ones that does tons of the shepherding. The elders do the counseling and all this kind of stuff. But I'm shepherding the big picture. And I carry massive, strong burdens from the Lord for different people. I don't even have to talk to them. I get a dream. God speaks to me. I look at someone, and I, I, can't, I can't explain this. I look at someone, I get a download. Now, everyone I look at, that doesn't happen. <laughs> You're like going, stay away from Sean. He invited us for dinner. No, don't go. <laughs> stay clear of that guy. But I have to tell you, like, I just, like, if someone is struggling with rebellion, I have this this sick feeling that just rises up when I just see them. And I'm like, and I don't know what to do. I'm like going, crud, why is that there? You know, it just rises up these emotions and these feelings. And I'm like, oh God, and I'll go back and I'll pray because be, I'll be weighted down all day. 
And I start interceding and I start praying for them all during the day. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm praying for the person. I'm praying for the situation. It's like my emotions are engaged all day long, sometimes a week for an individual. I might not even know them. It's just this sense comes up and overtakes me. And I'm like, this stinks. Like, I want to be happy. But it's heavy. It's real. It's tangible. And so... I just begin to pray and just this is kind of the heart of God coming out of what I shared last week, Second Corinthians six. And if we look, I mean, Second, yeah, Second Corinthians six. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership? has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what is a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is like, this is, this is the nature of God, folks. It's like he truly desires and created you with intentional design to be in communion with him. He's targeted you. He's like, I want them. He wants you. He wants you. He created you. He has the blueprint in his office. If you can picture this, blueprints on all his walls. And he literally is like, oh, number 1,776,500. And he's like, that one is so special. Like, I created that. Very distinct from these others. It has this distinct blend of things that these other Blueprints don't. It's, it's a priceless one. Like this God is infinite and knows your blueprint for your life in a way you don't even understand it because he designed it and kept track of every single human and knows the exact distinctions that they have that makes them special and unique. And he's like, oh, and that fits wonderful with 1,786,222. Oh, what a combination. And then that fits, and he just sees millions of living stones filling this wall, all fitting together. And he's like, oh, my masterpiece. And he's called you into that. He's called you to be part of that. And he understands not understanding. But what he doesn't understand is when there's no hunger and no attempts to understand and no attempts to draw close to him that's where folks there is a window of time and i just i can't do that i can't i'm gonna have to do this some other week because it's just important you get the main idea i'm going to go through all these instances and we're not going to look at these stories no can't
Even in judgment, the Lord has mercy. Remember Cain and Abel? When Abel offered a sacrifice to the Lord that was pleasing, and Cain compared himself. And the Lord said, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Now this is the Lord telling him before he made a grave error. And said, won't you just listen to me? Why is your countenance falling? If you just do what's right, just minimal, do what's right. Obey me. Just give of your heart sincerely to me. You'll be accepted. This is the Lord saying, I will accept you if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires you. You could say, it desires you as well. So you have a God who is saying, I'm pleading with you, do what's right. I will accept you. If you don't, sin is also there saying, I want you. But you must master it. This is what Josiah said earlier. He shared the same scripture. And then we see what happens, right? He basically kills his brother. He does not do what's right. And let's see what the Lord says. Because, you know, I think a lot of us are like, oh, it's okay, the Lord loves me. He's my friend and he forgives me. Now that is conditionally true. But if you continue to refuse the Lord, you will experience the judgment of God. It does say, Drunkards, cowards, perverts will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I know some Christians that are drunkards and cowards and perverts. They weren't Christians who used to be and repented and changed because you wouldn't call them that anymore. We're not defined by our past. We're defined by where we are now. Are we pursuing and loving and serving and hungering after righteousness? Because the promises will be filled and will ex exhibit the power of God and the light of heaven. But there are people who won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? They probably said the prayer. But God's like, I don't care about a prayer. I care about your lifestyle, your living sacrifice. Get a hold of this, because some of you are cutting God in half and choosing the half you want, which is the friend. He's the forgiver. But then there is another part of God, like Cain was that same nature. He didn't change from Old Testament to New. Do you know that? God is the same God throughout. The only thing that's been removed because of Christ is the penalty of sin and death. If you make him Lord and Savior. See, there's all these conditions. Like, even when he spoke to the people of Israel, he basically said, I'm going to give you all these promises, um, like the sands of the sea, Abraham. And then what does he do two chapters later? Now, if you're my people, be, be circumcised. P 
Pete, men who aren't circumcised are not part of my family. Like, there's start to be requirements, stipulations. Like, this is what this promise that's given freely. Now, we've been given salvation as a free gift. But what do we have to do? We have to have Jesus as our Lord, which means we obey Him. We can't say a prayer and expect to go to heaven and live like the devil. We are not going to go to heaven. You don't say a cheap prayer. Like, my people... Praise me with their lips and their hearts are far from me. He doesn't care about your lips and your words and all this stuff. He cares about your heart. And how can you with a good conscience say, Lord and Savior, thank you for saving my life. I give you my life, Lord. And then go live like we want and never listen to the Lord. It is a lie. You are not going to heaven. Crickets. But you've got to understand, this isn't to pile condemnation. We have a true free gift from the Lord. Christ died in the cross, but it's a call to receive it. You've got to receive it, and you've got to live it, and you've got to hunger and thirst after the Lord. Like, he's not cheap. He doesn't give cheap grace. Say this prayer and go live like the devil and I'll see you later on the other side. That's a joke. Well, here we are with Cain and Abel, right? He just begged Cain, please do what's right and you will be accepted. A free gift of love. God comes to Cain. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out from me from the ground. Listen, that's enough to preach a whole message. Just think about this. Your sin echoes. Unrighteousness echoes. There's like, it lives on. Unless it's truly broken by the blood of Jesus to break that. But think about that. The deed is done. And the blood of someone who has been murdered by his brother, a wrongdoing, speaks and cries out to God saying, Avenge me, Lord. I was wronged. I don't know about you. I don't know. I thought that was pretty, pretty powerful. Now, are you, now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your blood's, brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to produce you. Get a hold of this imagery, right? Cain wronged Abel, killed him. His blood went in the ground. The ground made alliance and said, we are created by the Lord. You have, you have harmed Abel, his blood is with us now, and we stand against you. Like, I don't know, that's like crazy. Like, Abel literally went into the ground. The ground said, we are created by God, and we stand against you, Cain. You've wronged him. And the Lord stands and says, the ground is crying out to me. The blood is crying out to me. You've wronged. 
And then, when you till the ground, it will no longer produce or yield to you. The ground has refused to cooperate you. You've wronged someone. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Cain said, Lord, my punishment's greater than I can bear. Behold, this day you've driven me from the face of the earth, and from the face I will be hidden. I will be a fugitive and a wanderer, and whoever finds me will kill me. <sighs> I mean, this is someone who God begged with. Please do what's right. I'll accept you. Sin is crouching at your door. Don't do it. And so the Lord said, Oh, Cain, not so. If anyone slays Cain, then Cain will be avenged sevenfold. Folks, that is some mercy there. Like God who extended the judgment starts setting parameters. Oh, no, you won't be killed. Don't worry. I will go after the person who touches you. <laughs> this just gets like heart-wrenching, right? And the Lord placed a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. See, even in judgment, the Lord extends mercy. You know, Adam and Eve sinned. Eternal separation from God. So he took them out of the garden away from the tree of life so they couldn't live forever. They wouldn't have to live forever in that place. Took the tree of life from them. Their, their days were then limited. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And we see this whole thing about, you know, what does that mean to come out and be separate? It means holiness to the Lord. And this isn't in a religious sense. I'm going to just wrap up here. This isn't in a religious sense. It starts with the heart. Remember, we're not under the law. So it's not about you doing everything perfectly. But your heart, your heart has to be postured toward the Lord and humble a disciple, a servant. Seeking. When you stop seeking, you stop finding, folks. When you stop, stop hungering, you stop being filled. And I know what it's like to go through seasons when you are like, you know, I just don't feel very hungry to God. Anyone else been there? I mean, really, you just, you just man, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like reading the Word. I don't feel like praying. I mean, I go to church still, but like, I'm just not, I'm not like, when I'm in a good place, I got butterflies coming, driving down the road. I had it when I first came to the Lord, and I drive two hours to church. That's hunger. The whole way I prayed, the whole way back, I thanked, thank God. Thank you for what you did, Lord. Oh, man. And it was like after party from church, right? And butterflies, and just, I'd get there early and just start praying and say, Lord, I just pray today. I pray today. You know, it'll be an amazing sign. You will see that God is moving when a group comes early and prays. And that group grows. And it, it's more than just a group in a circle, but there's people sitting all in these chairs here, and they're just starting to rumble and say, Lord God, please, we just lift this up to you. I pray you cover this place. I pray that when people drive in this parking lot, your power that distinguishes us from all other people on the earth would be tangibly sensed. 
that not one person who comes through that door even has the option to leave. Because there's this stain power that just glues them and fascinates them. It's not the worship team. It's not the preacher. It's the power. Shackles their feet so they can hear the good news. Uh. So come on, folks. You don't have to be told what to do. You know in your heart. And I'm telling you, some of you who are young people, you are not exempt. I'm telling you, I was called by God and gave my life away in my senior year of high school, junior year, right before my senior year. And I was drastically changed. And everything changed. Everything in my life. I had a hunger that was manifest by seeking him. I'd lock myself in my room on an all-day Saturday and tell my mom, hey, I won't be out much. I'm just praying all day in there. And I'd pray these crazy prayers like, Lord, I just want to see an angel today. Could you work that out? I want to have an encounter with an angel. That would be cool. Like, I'd have all these, like, prayer things, like, that I'd, I'd ask for the Lord. Like, I want, I want this. I want to see the unseen realm. I'm hungry. We had all kinds of crazy encounters with God. Supernatural things. But ones that really produce fruit. Ones that really, like, we saw dozens of people saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Dozens. People would come to my house in the middle of the night, like, saying, I was just drawn. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've seen a massive uptick in that. People just showing up at my house out of the blue. I haven't seen for 10, 20 years, and they just show up and go, hi, you remember me? I'm like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And they're like, I just couldn't, couldn't shake this thought that I needed to come to you. I want to know the Lord. I'm hungry. He's calling me back. So many prodigals, so many prodigals coming back to the Lord. Folks, the trickle has begun. There is a stream of people. Like, I just, I tell Stephanie, I'm like, man, this person called me. And she's like, Sean, guess what? Over coffee. This person just called and reached out. Crazy stuff. Like one after another after another. I can't imagine what a flood looks like. Oh, Lord, help us. I mean, seriously. We need to all become independently wealthy, so all we can do is just sit at the front door and say, hello, welcome in. Would you like some prayer? Really? I'm telling you, it's going to be such a massive harvest of people. Because right now is like crazy. It's amazing how many people are coming to the Lord, having miraculous interventions. And I feel like, folks, listen, I'm telling you, there is, there is going to be a flood of people released from human trafficking, addiction, all kinds of like things that seem impossible. And God is going to increase his anointing and yokes are going to be broken off. Their shepherds aren't going to have to go through these massive counseling sessions. It's going to be like massive establishing people. And God is going to deal with the deliverance. Whack, chop, chop, chop. The intensity of delivering power of God and miracles and signs and wonders. And then we're going to have to just be massive servants of God that just help everybody get established. Because even with the power of God... Because I've been through intense revivals, incredible revivals, where 
But people would just fall off the face of the earth. They'd have an encounter, and they'd have a thrill, and then they're not established. So then when the thrill takes off, they don't pursue the Lord. They just stop. And God forbid, folks, if this church allows that to happen, a visitation and a harvest, an increase of souls, and people drop off because they weren't discipled. So respond to God. You know, whatever it is that he spoke to you. You know, maybe it's prayerlessness. Maybe it's distraction. I know this. As I was driving here to church, I felt like there were, there were many who needed to reassess their work. Not that you need to get a new job, but you need to get your heart right and not be engrossed. You can work a lot of hours and still acknowledge God and call out to him and involve him in your workplace. See, this isn't like, this isn't like, don't do this, do this. It's how you do things. Is God truly, from a heart level, involved in what you're doing? Well, he doesn't care about, like, construction. Oh, he really does. He, like, laid the foundations of the earth. He's like a grand architect. He really does know what it's like to be a, a contractor. And he's like, hey, you know, if you involve me, I can make things a lot easier. It's like they have at the farm, you know, pray first. And it took them a long time to learn that lesson. But then, like, when they pray, like, cows just listen to them. Like, literally, the Spirit of God just leads them into a, a truck where they've tried for hours. We start trying to remember that on the job site and in church and everything. Yeah, in church, we remember pray first. And start bringing things to the Lord in prayer as a habit. All throughout the day, speaking, asking, believing, not as one who cries without hope, but one who cries out in faith, believing. So action plans are ask God to create a fresh hunger in your heart where you every, you can tell if you're hungry. If the first thing you think of when you wake up out of bed and you open your eyes is, hi, Lord. Be with me today. And when you go to bed, it's that same thing. It comes out naturally. If it's coming out naturally, you've developed and cultivated an attitude of, Lord, I'm yours. You're mine. Right? Throughout the day, asking him to come and, and move. Talking to him as though you had someone with you all day. Because you do. Ask for that. Because those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And then start to ramp up and set your heart that when you come on Sundays or life group, come with something to give. Spend even 15 minutes crying out saying, Lord, what would you have me bring tonight? When you go to a party, you make a dish, right? And you spend some time. It's no different with serving the delicacies of heaven. Say, Lord, what would you have me bring tonight? Oh, you want me to whip up a Holy Ghost souffle? Okay. We'll do that. Let's start with that. Let's just start with this place of hunger. Lord, prepare me. Remember that song, Prepare Me to Be a Sanctuary? Well, 
That's what we're saying today. Lord, oh, you see where we're at. Lord, I pray that this summer would be a summer of transformation, Lord. And I pray that we would not miss the opportunity and the preparation for the fall, that we would not miss this window of time. Lord, I pray you have mercy on us. I pray you have mercy on this congregation. I pray, Lord, we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and we pray, lift us up, Lord. I pray you lift each person up. I pray you impart hunger. I pray, Lord God, you visit us. You encounter us, Lord. I pray you break off every strand, every iteration, every form of pornography, of sexual perversion. I pray even, Lord, marriages where they've they've been in abstinence and they haven't had any kind of romantic interaction. I pray that that would be broken and that health, koinonia, would come back to marriages. If you didn't get that, there's, there's marriages here that you haven't had relations. That has to stop. You've got to come together. It would be like having a relationship with God and never praying. Intimate relations, that's your, that's your koinonia. It's where the word came from. Between a husband and a wife. Father, I pray you turn it up in our marriages, Father. That the enemy would not be able to come in. That we, they, no one would need counterfeit because they'd have the real thing. Pray that for the couples in this church that are married before the Lord. That you'd restore passion. You'd restore love. You'd restore romance. Lord, I pray for the single people, young and old, male, female, that they would be so in love with you, so fascinated, so caught up, that you would break off lust, that you'd break off acts of perversion. Lord, you said that those sins were worse because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We say, Lord, make these temples holiness under the Lord, altars where the fire comes down and burns the sacrifice and it's pleasing to the Lord. Let our lives burn with holy fire, Father. Let our lives burn with holy fire, Lord. Come on, do what you need to do with the Lord. Repent, change, invite Him. Of things. 
things I started picking up and putting together and created this amazing thing out back. And like those are the really simple, easy things that God wants to use and, and help transform and then actually bless other people. And even in my like my life and my work, I'll be writing grants and all of a sudden I'll be writing words that are not mine. They're coming out of not myself. They're coming out of my soul because I've just been like, all right, God, do what you do and expand this, expand my gifts, expand my capacity. I can't do everything that I do on my own. I know a lot of people are like, wow, Lindsay, you do a lot. It's not my own. It is totally God taking everything that I've learned over the last couple months and propelling me forward so that I can do what I do. And so if you're like, wow, I'm not overcoming the situation. I'm still in it. So go back to the basics. Start coming to prayer furnaces on Monday and start praying with everybody. Start involving yourself in just reading the word because God will start to erupt things and people are going to be like, wow, you're happy all the time. Like what's going on? Like yesterday I was climbing a mountain or two days ago and I was in so much pain and I was walking up and I was frustrating and I was dealing with a ton of psychological warfare and I just wanted to be like, ah, and I'm like, Jesus loves me, this I know as I'm walking up the mountain and everyone's like, oh, Lindsay's doing great. And I'm like, no, I'm battling some psychological warfare, but I'm just going to praise God anyways. And that's what God wants to do. It's so easy when you're driving in the car and you're battling something in your head. You just say, all right, God, I want to hear your voice. And you allow him to come in and do this in your life. And you just start singing to him and you praise him. And people are like, what is going on? It's going to make a difference. And you're going to be able to do more than you can do on your own. That's the point. Do not rely on earthly wisdom. Rely on God. Understand what he's doing and acknowledge him. And he's going to make it easy for you. He will do it if you want it. You need to let go of everything that is binding you and just say, Jesus loves me. This I know. And just keep it going, guys. He wants your heart. It is so